Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. As always, please subscribe and share. And if you so fancy, leave us a review. We continue our conversation on the various methods to which different people may be drawn towards different techniques of meditation. We begin the discussion on the Kabbalah, letters, spell casting, and the power of language. We then discuss identification and the meditation on the body. There's a part of the episode where I talk about words, and I just wanted to highlight that before we began. The passage from a little book goes, Words are casting of spells, which is why they are spelled. They are fates or destinies. Words are composed of letters, let-ers. Literally, givers of permission, they let or allow patterns of energy to come into beings. Letters are vowels or consonants. Consonants are consonants. They sound with fixed geometric patterns of energy states. Vowels or vowels of L, L being the Canaanite name for God, in the place and the time our modern alphabet was first written down. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jen and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. I want you to get together. Now, isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. Double and back, we're trying to talk about like different styles of meditation that might be good for different people with different sort of stuff going on. So especially different kinds of ways of looking at the world. So I wanted to throw a little Kabbalah in here because these are meditations that will use very different techniques than what we've been talking about. So for example, in the Kabbalah, they use a lot of letters. This is building on the, like the metaphor, even in the Old Testament, that the universe was sort of created by letters, right? With words and letters. That's like a real typical thing that you get out of those traditions, right? Find their way back to the Middle East, all kinds of words and letters stuff. So they'll have a lot of meditations that are actually like on letters themselves. And we can talk about examples of this when we get to the more concrete parts of it. But it would be pretty typical to go through and, uh, and uh, you know, like try to visualize certain letters in your mind's eye and you just focus it on those letters. So what's the point? Well, the point is that you're doing multiple things there. Now you're doing obviously a very directed meditation. So there's like one of the words for uh, divine or for God in the Old Testament is the unpronounceable name, right? The tetragrammaton and uh, <laughs> and we'll uh, kind of pop it up at some point, probably on Instagram or something like that, just so people can see it. But it's like a yodahe and a babanahe in the Hebrew. And so you just, you can, this is one of the names of the divine. And so you could just close your eyes and just meditate on this name. And there's different ways of describing how you would do this. You might make the letters really big, or you might make the letters really fiery, or you might make the letters really bright, 
but you're trying to focus it on these letters. So per, per what we were talking about last time, what are you doing? Well, obviously you're doing something very directed. You're not just sitting there natural, right? You're trying to concentrate your mind on something very specific, right? So that's one side of what you're doing. It's not a naturalistic thing. It's a focus thing. On some level, you're projecting some part of yourself out there. You're not in a totally receptive space either because you are projecting this name, right? Yet in the different way, the purpose of the meditation is to make you feel that you're connected to something divine. That's the whole purpose of meditating on this thing because it's supposed to have that effect. We go deeper into it. We, I'll try to explain a little bit because I've done this kind of stuff of what these letters are supposed to represent in terms of divinity. There's a way in which they're supposed to represent almost like male and female aspects of the, of the divine on some level, the projected aspect of the divine. So there's some theory around this there too because there's always some theory in any meditation. That's the point, right? There's always some theory. But in this one, you're supposed to feel like you're connecting to like the source of the universe or something, right? You're trying to get that feeling and you're trying to get it like through meditating on these letters. But that involves, again, specific concentrations. And it also involves feeling like you're connecting to something that's actually there. So if you don't believe that there's anything there at all, that's a pretty hard meditation to do because you might not be that into it. Or you'd have to go with a really open mind and say, hey, let me try this. But, you know, if you do that kind of a meditation because they're designed to kind of connect with that kind of a feeling, you do it, you sort of get that feeling, right? And you start to feel like maybe there really is something out there that I'm connecting to. So that's an example of, of something from the Kabbalah, completely different kind of technique, right? Coming from a diff different kind of a place with a different kind of theory of how the world works and then a different kind of set of experiences, right? Does it make sense what I'm trying to say there, Daniel? Oh, no, for sure. The other part, I think... Um... So I'll read this because I have this, this, uh, I guess you can call it a, a tarot deck. Um, oh, okay. Okay. And, and it's all, but it's all about language actually. And so one of the things that you kind of talked about, whether you're talking about here is in order to be able to do this meditation, you have to spell something, uh -huh. right? Meaning you have to cast a spell. Right, like in a sort of a, uh -huh. it's kind of a little kind. bit like it's kind of like a it can be seen as similar to prayer, but it also could be seen as similar to like a ritual magic or something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so spelling, and so in, in I'll read this book, um, and the words are spelled differently, but it says words, words, words are casting of spells, which is why they are spelled, they are fates or destinies. Words are composed of letters, let ers, literally givers of permission, they let or allow patterns of energy come into being. Letters are vowels or consonants, consonants, consonants. They sound with fixed geometric, geometric patterns of energetic states. For instance, G depicts counterclockwise and it goes on from there, but it's, um, you know, in the last it's one- tapping into that idea, right? Yeah, and then yeah. it says vowels or vowels, vows of L, the Canaanite <laughs> name for God in the place and at time our modern alphabet was first written down. So it's just really, you know, so it, that, that EL is like one of the old Testament names for divine source too. Yes. L vowel, or AL or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, vows yeah. of L. So this is, you know, when you're talking about that, that's exactly Elohim. what I'm, yeah, yeah. You're like mm -hmm. kind of, you're, you're invoke, you're, 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 sp you're, you're casting a spell to invoke the energy or the presence of the divine. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a very particular idea and we're not doing the whole thing on the Kabbalah, but basically the idea is that there's kind of a formless, aspect of the divine you know it's kind of interesting because we had the episodes of mary Kay where we were, we we're all talking about this whole thing 
what's the nature of divinity? We had that conversation, mm -hmm. but there's kind of a formless aspect. And then out of that formless aspect projects form kind of right. You know, so you get the form of the universe appearing, but first you get the archetypal form and that little name of like those four letters that are, you know, are kind of like unpronounceable. You know, you're not supposed to even try to pronounce it. It's just called Adonai, you know, in the old Testament, you're not supposed to actually even say the name. Right. Um, it's supposed to be symbolic of something kind of profound, right? And it's like, uh, it's again how divinity connects down to, uh, to, to living things, right? And you're trying to tap into that conduit. I think that's a fair Kabbalistic thing to say. So you're trying to open yourself up. You, on the one hand, they usually say something like, response from below is met with response from above or something like that. If you do something below, that will trigger a response from you know, the divine aspects of the universe too. And then you'll make a connection right? So you are in some ways receiving, right? You're making a connection. But on the other hand, you're also trying to like do something that's much more concentrated. Obviously, you're doing something much more specific. It's a little bit of something that's projective because you're not making your mind just receptive. You're actually projecting this thing out. It's a different technique, right? To try to like achieve a different, a different kind of realization associated with it. I think it might be a fun one for you to do, Daniel, just to see what that's like for you. That's oh, I've been, that might be your jam. I've been oh, you doing, do that all the time anyway. I've been maybe. doing, I've been doing this for probably uh, seven years. You do the, you do the uh, Tetragrammaton? Mm -hmm. Oh, no shit. We never talked about that. So that's yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah. I was, I was shown by a friend of mine who is a, a Kabbalistic practitioner whose name uh, uh, ends with annual and begins with D. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know the one of which you speak. That's right. He should otherwise shall remain nameless. <laughs> he shall remain nameless. Uh, yeah. And you know, it was, it was introduced to me as uh, something to do, you know, to kind of like help with the meditation, you know, like, what do you, you, what do you, I mean, it's, it's profound. It is profound, isn't it? It's, it does, it's, it's crazy profound. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this, but this is the power of, of meditating on things that I think are a little bit abstract mm -hmm. um, is that it, it, it transcends the rational mind. And that you're unable to kind of like particularly isolate some sort of meaning. So you shift the, the part of the brain or part of the mind that has concepts in it because it's unconceptual, inconceptual or non-conceptual specifically. And therefore you can become one with wonder. Maybe that's a good use of the word, right? You could sort of wonder about it, become sort of awe-inspired and leave the kind of, I'll say like, rudimentary thought process that we have on on breaking things down and describing them in very particular ways in order to put them away when something can't be described or named they can't be put away and what's interesting i think as we're talking about this is there was somebody who invited me on to be on her podcast whether i go on there or not i don't know but she kind of asked the same questions to everybody which is a little boring oh, okay. a little bit boring to me personally but the very first question she asked all of her guests, which, you know, we don't do. So I'm glad that we don't and we never shall, <laughs> unless it's out of sheer sarcasm. Um, but she asked, you know, so someone will come on. So Eric Baker will come on there and, and she'll say, Eric Baker, who is Eric Baker? You know, and then what do we do? Immediately, we start giving our definitions of who we are, our ideas of who we are, our momentary names, our uh, jobs are titles. We start identifying ourselves and they're identified because we believe them to be this sort of concrete identity, right? Identifiable. But when you have something that is not identifiable other than by sounds or just letters that don't even have a specific meaning, they're in reference to something using a symbol, you know, 
that we cannot isolate that particular thing in, in a place or even a time. And when we do that, then we can really step out, I believe, of this idea of reality into something else that maybe exists outside of it, if that's even possible. I mean, like a part of the Kabbalistic thing would be like, you know, when you get to the ultimate source of everything, if you were to try and same in the in the like the old Taoist books, like the Tao Te Ching, if you want to try to like totally describe something like that, you're just not going to be able to do it. Right. I mean, Rumi has the 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 parable of like the people kind of going up to the elephant. Right. I think that's still attributable to Rumi. Right. Everyone mm -hmm. like the blind men feeling the elephant and everyone feels something different. You know, one person feels the trunk another person feels the legs. Someone gets the tusks, you know. All Someone these else gets something else. Something else. <laughs> be really careful. You really get like some things could play some pretty nasty pranks on you with that That's particular right. parable. That's right. But um, uh, uh, so when you look at that kind of a thing, you're you start to realize like uh, you know uh, you're trying to tap into something that like is transcendent on some level. But they're yes. giving you sort of a technique to try to like make that leap. Mm -hmm. Okay, but if you're going to do this thing, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to be doing a different kind of a meditation and it's designed to achieve a different purpose. And so, you know, someone asked, what should I meditate on? It wouldn't be obvious to say, here, let me give you this thing. You're going to meditate on like uh, some Kabbalistic thing. You have to have some worldview that will, that will vibe with you on some level. Otherwise, that, you might, might want, want to do that. And I mean, that's fine. That's kind of like your own choice. You don't have to like resonate with every single thing. I would imagine if I wouldn't have done the other meditations I did before I got exposed to this stuff, I wouldn't have been into them because I've been like, why am I, why would I be doing this? Meditate on some, meditate on some letters that would have felt weird to me. Why should I learn these, these like, you know, Hebrew or Aramaic letters? What, why would I do that? You know, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have worked for me. Right. So, but that's like totally natural. That would be the case. And then, you know, you can, but if this does speak to you, it might be a great place to start. Right. Mm -hmm. Obviously with you and uh, our, uh, our clever encoding, NLD, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, realize that this would be a good one for you. And it ended up being a good one for you, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the point, but it's a different technique, right? To try to achieve a different end because you're trying to feel some kind of, uh, honest to God, in the end, you're trying to feel some kind of divine source that you're connecting into somehow, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of a trip because we did the, the what about God? <laughs> what's God got to do, got to do with it. We did that with Mary Kay, right? Yes. And everybody had a different answer. For sure. <laughs> Mary Kay had this vision out in the cosmos of this source. That was very cool. You had your vision of like, like kind of like meeting someone who was uh, coming in a human form, like in the alley. Yeah. And all of a sudden, person. all of these different aspects started emerging. And you know, yeah. then I had my like blinding light thing. We all had our own vibe, right? Mm -hmm. But on some level, I mean, they all fit into some kind of Kabbalistic understanding. So maybe we could all do this meditation. But, you know, it's different strokes for different folks. You might not be into this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then in which case, this is not for you, right? So, okay. Uh, the last one I thought that was interesting here, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, John Kabat-Zinn if we have a chance, would be like Taoist meditations on the body. So this is interesting for certain people too. They're really interested in the idea of like how the body works and it speaks to them. So we'll probably have a little series on it, but like there are ones where they'll make you connect, like try to feel and visualize your own lungs inside your body. Sometimes there'll be some colors along with this. Our Chinese medical people will recognize this for sure, right? You know, so you'll see the color white and you'll think about your lungs or you'll see the color, you know, a dark blue or black and you'll think about your kidneys. Or you'll see like a nice foresty green and you'll think about your liver. 
you know, like they ask you to do these kinds of meditations that are kind of visualized visualizations of your own physical body. Mm. And then they'll do them in different patterns, right? In Taoist thought that ends up being in Chinese medical thought, kind of the same, you know, uh, there's different patterns that you can connect the organs together. So you can try to see how those organs interconnect with one another, right? Kind of like, what, what was that game called way back when? Oh, Operation. <laughs> no, 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 not Operation. Oh, not Operation. Okay. No, that game where you would push the colors. Um, it's like a circle kind of plastic thing. And you push the, push the buttons, you know, they're, they're oh, colors. Oh, like Simon or whatever with the little beep, beep, boop. Yeah, boop. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the sound effects. That's that old school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to remember the pattern and be like, yeah, 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 exactly. They they did a skit on that actually on uh, uh, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> oh, really? Recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good because the dad, the dad can't do it. He gets all drunk trying to get it right. You know, he doesn't. You know. It could get a little bit like OCD if you can't do it. I was always like semi shitty at that for some reason. I, I think I can it remember is Simon, other things, but I can't. You know, it's I think Simon, it is, right? I think it's, it's Simon Says. Yeah, I think they just called it Simon, but they whatever. Okay. But that's yeah. the that's the deal with it. Yeah, it would go boop boop deep boop boop, and you'd have to hit the colors. Yeah, you're right. That's right, Eric. It's called certain, Simon. That's in right. In a certain order or something. Yeah. Yeah, you could buy it now for twenty ninety nine. That's a that's a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> Considering it's thirty years old, what the hell? Yeah, just in principle, it's a ripoff. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, that was something like I and I wasn't that awesome at that, but that's true, right? You do all these colors, right? You connect them in different orders. <laughs> that was a stretch. <laughs> stretch. <laughs> <laughs> to get to Simon. Good. I like it. I love yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. stretch the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like, uh, it's a, a thing. So you try to imagine these different colors and then you can connect it to different parts of your body. You know, like, uh, you know, like your lungs connect to your nose. That's a little bit like the old, like everything's connect interconnected song, your leg bones connect to your thigh bone and all that. That's correct. Um, but, you know, you can connect your liver to your eyes and Chinese medical and Taoist theory, you connect your kidney to your ears. So these are fun meditations to do if you're into the body, right? And, uh, uh, and they're good for you. You know, they're kind of good for health. And because the body's connected into all kinds of emotions, you can kind of feel what the emotions are that connected with the different organs. And it's a, it's a whole fun thing to do if you want to meditate on the body. But why would you do that? Well, because Taoist stuff is really interested in the body itself, right? And how the body connects to the mind, and how the body and the mind connect to the universe. So you start by working on the body, right? And that's not the same as like naturalistically trying to connect out with, you know, in this shikantaza way or connecting to the true chi of the universe or visualizing some letters or something. This is a completely different thing based on a different theory, based on like a, a different set of like things that you're trying to accomplish. On some level, you're probably trying to get to the same place. Mm -hmm. right? But like the way you're getting there is really different. But if you're a very physical person and you really like the body and you know you're you're that's a good place for you to start, that might be awesome for you, right? It might be like one of the most natural ones for you to do because that you know, you know. I guess what we were talking about earlier, Daniel, you're not being asked to believe anything beyond just like you have a body, right? Yeah, I think we can. I think we can work <laughs> that, that. We through. can agree on. We yeah. have a body. We have a body. Like okay, a start good. There. Okay, good. We got something we all can agree on. We have a body. Now, of course, in Taoist thought, your body connects to nature in all these fascinating ways. And, you know, mm -hmm. so that's going to lead you if you start with the body. Naturally, it's going to make you connect to, to the seasons and the other things in nature around you and then other things out into the cosmos. But they start with something pretty concrete. Right. So it's a, that's a very interesting way for a lot of people to start. I, I think that probably spoke to me in the beginning because it was like, OK, at least I know I have a body. Mm 
that I can do. Did you like those meditations at all or no? What do you think about those? Yes, I, I, I find them to be quite interesting. Um, yeah, I, I do. I don't do them very often. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll, I'll use them with patients if we're working on something in particular and they have a, you know, again, we use the white, for example, if someone's, you know, working on some allergies or something like that and, and we want to strengthen their lung function. Then when they're uh, resting in the med- you know, on the table, I will ask them to kind of envision sort of a white light or a white smoke entering into their lungs through their nose or through their mouth, and then filling up the lungs with every breath that they take, sort of, you know, I say purifying anything in there that is not exactly serving them at this time. And then as they exhale, the white light comes out, but a little bit more smoky, perhaps a bit more of a mist. And then just kind of do this. And I'll leave them with that, you know, to rest. And hopefully this idea then of concentrating, even if the white collar doesn't necessarily matter that I can do ver- that I could prove verifiably. I think the idea that you're putting your mind on a particular part of the organ system that we're working on helps to codify the treatment, make it a little bit more sort of pertinent consciously. Well, you're buying into like a, you're asking people a little bit to buy into a Taoist theory. So that's suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. You're asking they- people to buy into the idea that like your liver is somehow associated with the color greenish blue, and then it's also associated with your eyes and all this kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're asking like, hey, buy in a little Taoist theory <laughs> and see if this doesn't connect. But you got to buy in. You have to suspend disbelief a little bit. Otherwise, you just say, well, wait a minute. I don't see how, what does my liver have to do with this color and, you know, and all that. But they're fun meditations. And I, I guess there's a theory behind it. You know, when you get to like, I think it, it runs through Chinese and Japanese culture, which is more like uh, the body is connected to nature in all these fantastic ways. And nature yeah. is connected to the supreme source of everything. So if you work through your body, it gives you something very concrete to work with, but then it also allows you to tap into things beyond it once you get farther into it. And the meditations then get a little bit more abstract as it goes. But I mean, that might be a great way for some people to start. Just yeah. to bear it. And it's good for your mood and it's good for your emotions and it's good for the physical health of your body and you're feeling within your body. So uh, I guess with what little time we have left, that gets us a little bit to the mindfulness question. John Kabat-Zinn and all the mindfulness stuff. So I think I guess it's a little bit of a transition point for me here too. I know what you think about it, Daniel, because he's kind of talking about, again, a kind of a meditation mindfulness focus on the body and its sensations on the emotions and their moods on your thoughts. Right. And there you go. Is that a fair way to describe you think what he's asking you to do? Yes. I w- yeah. Probably a little bit more of the emotional mental aspect of it. I think more so than the body. That's interesting. Maybe, maybe the maybe the body too. Um, I guess I think of him working with pain patients too. That was part of his thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's I guess it's equal. I mean, they talk about like so, like the one the meditation we just mentioned is specific body. Like that's you're on the body only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I guess with with this, it's not to your point. It's not. Oh, just that's the true. Body. It's not just the body. It's that, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's not only the body. So what is it? It's kind of like a mindfulness. I mean, it's a mindfulness meditation. It obviously has an Asian source. It's a little bit Buddhist, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, it has a thing where you feel your, and we're going to do probably the Bob Thurman version of this, which gets a lot more complicated as we know Bobby T likes to do. (laughs) But, you know, there's a, there's a feeling of the body and you're aware of that. If something happens in the body, you notice that if something happens in your emotions, you notice that if something happens in Mm -hmm. your mind, Mm -hmm. I don't even if really, he's asking to be that analytic necessarily, right? And I guess probably he'd ask you to let go of it too. Is there the letting go thing too? 
yeah like, so feel it and like don't cling to it let it go let yeah it there, go. There, there's a book that was written it's called like why buddhism is true the science behind and meditation oh, that's and like uh, robert wright or something right yeah yeah and i think this that these two things overlap um and that and how he breaks it down is with an acronym called rain and i've mentioned this before but it fits here um and in terms of this thing when something comes up whether it be physical emotional whatever but when something comes up and takes you outside of your breath as you're sort of scanning your body or whatever then you you recognize it is the first r uh, yeah. right and then you and then you acknowledge that it exists because if we recognize something we could say oh i don't feel good but if i just ignore it I, it's not going to get me you know i'm going to move away from this thing so you acknowledge that it's there and then you can investigate it and i think that is probably the the kind of deepest part and when he when he talked about investigation of it he wants you to, or the teaching it wants you to sort of identify it. Right? We talked about this earlier of, of identification and that they want you to put a color to it, a texture to it, a feeling to it. A, if it is a feeling, then you put a sound to it. You isolate it within the body or within the mind or within a timeline. Like you really get very specific Does on it. JKZ ask you to do that too? Or I don't think just... so. But, but, but it's they, the same. It's the same kind of jam. I understand. It's the same kind there. of jam. Just uh -huh. Right. And then they, then then they'll tell you to non-attach. Right. And so the oh, mindfulness and the, the rain is not attached. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the mindfulness part is similar, but not maybe not such a deep technique. It's kind of like acknowledge it. You know, you could do some light investigation. Is it a pain in my heart or is it in my lungs or whatever? Okay. I'm going to bring my breath there and let it go and let the mind kind of release to it. Um, but I feel personally like the, the investigation part it, that part is kind of like the sort of internal psychological exploration, exploratory portion that I think has actually quite a lot of benefit if you're able to get to that sort of deeper state. I guess it also like plays on the idea that's like really big in psychology that you can have all kinds of stuff going on inside of you that you're not aware of at all. Yes. So it gets into the like that there's all kinds of unconscious things happening. The body's producing sensations. You might even be repressing some of them. So it's very mm -hmm. psychological. Mm -hmm. So you might be repressing you might not be willing to look at it. So that's the point of acknowledging, I guess, in this, right? That yeah. you have to go through and don't just go through the, oh, that hurt. Let me repress that. Yes. Or that's a painful emotion. Let me like just repress that thing. I don't want to have to look at that thing. Because yeah. we do have that, those adaptive mechanisms in us that will do that. All right, I get it. So it's recognition, it's acknowledgement, it's investigation. The investigation step is more like uh, taking, this, taking a second to really look at it. Mm-hmm. And kind of like come up with like what it feels like, how you describe it. Yeah. You can make associations with it. Yeah. Right. And then the attack, the non-attachment part is at the end. It overlaps with one of our scary, but one of the favorite potential words, at least one of mine, <laughs> which is shunyata, right? The fact mm -hmm. that those things don't have the solidity that they appear to have. So you have mm -hmm. to let it go at the end. Mm -hmm. Otherwise there's always the danger that you'll just sit there and fixate on like, oh, that hurts. That mm -hmm. still hurts. I described it. It still hurts. You know, you don't want that happening. You want to let the mind move on so it doesn't get too like, you know, the nervous system even too. You don't want to get like too yes. connected. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So the reason why I thought this was an interesting one, like as a closer on this is like, what does that ask you to believe in? You know, if we look at these different things, Shikantaza is asking you to believe in something from the Zen point of view. Master Wong wants you to believe in some kind of external energy, this true energy of the universe. Kabbalists want you to meditate on these letters to be symbolic of these things. It's a whole bunch of stuff that like you may not be that into. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is really kind of designed so that you don't have to believe in anything in particular. Sometimes I felt in episodes when we've talked about this, where I wanted to kind of like be a little critical of that. Because if you like already like 
if you already decide the game, then that's not that as interesting. You know, like you might, you're not, you're not discovering new things there through that. You're just discovering some psychological stuff about yourself, some physical stuff about your body. You know I mean? You've already kind of like, you might say begged all the good questions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause you just decide, okay, I'm just going to do this. So I can be, I can be snarky on that point, <laughs> but that's not my point here. My point here is that it's a technique that's designed for people who have a certain way of thinking about the world. They're psychological and physical people. It's designed to produce a certain set of results that are basically good, right? Those are good results, right? And, uh, you know, the technique follows and the experiences will come off of that. So that might be like perfectly good for some people coming into this space who have that way of looking at the world. And that might be just like sort of perfect for them. And it's, it's a technique kind of designed for them, right? Mm-hmm. With what, what I might sometimes see as some downsides because it doesn't ask you to look at the deeper questions that might be outside of your presumptions that I'm only like a mind and a body little glob here sitting here. It, like it does have that bias, but on the other hand, it's good in the sense that it gives a connection for people who this is the space that they're coming from. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say there? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I think you feel the same. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you, I really- do. Do you agree with the technique that it's a little bit like... Uh, it ends the conversation a little early. Do you think that's a fair criticism? Uh, I mean, I think it is, but I don't know if we, we totally, I mean, we probably agree in the end. We agree on most things, yeah. <laughs> but we might have a little disagreement here. I think you're a little bit more open to the idea, like what the fuck it's good for people who gives a shit where I might be a little bit more critical of that. Yeah. I, I think, you know, at, at this point, anything to get anybody in the door, I'm cool with, you know, mm-hmm. I, there, there's so much resistance to, um, understanding oneself and mainly that resistance is the amount of energy that we spend outside on other things focus on distractions and other yeah. things so we just avoidant stuff that's mm-hmm. it and so whatever is going to take you inside whether that's mindfulness or it's tai chi or art whatever go in it just just do your you know just get inside and see what's in there you know and then i i think with the if you can stick with it the eventual, you know, sort of outcomes of those practices will outweigh the potential distractions that may end up coming in someone's life. Well, it may be kind of sort of like a gateway drug too. Yeah, that's right. You get I, in on this and then maybe you realize, well, maybe there is more to stuff going on. I, I Originally, I thought this was all I was interested in, but all of a sudden, this might be a more mysterious universe than what I thought. Correct. I mean, look, Western medicine started with microdosing aspirin. Okay. It's called baby aspirin and it's not even for babies, which is bullshit. Okay. Yeah. Babies need drugs too. Okay. Let's not let them off the hook. Right. And they gave people baby aspirin for their high blood pressure. And all this that's, a, that's a huge market. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. They could have just cut their normal pill in half, but no, let's package it separately and write baby on it. Okay. <laughs> But then people, then now they microdose, uh, you know, whatever else they want to microdose, you know, all different kinds of things. So there's, there's always some correlate. So I'm just thinking, you know, if so you're if, saying that like baby aspirin <laughs> leads to a bunch of tech guys microdosing psilocybin, it's a, it's a, it's a slightly curvy path, but it got there, it, but it got there. Yeah, for sure. And, and likewise, some sort of somebody who's inclined to any of these practices or something like that can lead them inside. And maybe one day they find themselves at a, at a retreat center in the middle of a, you know, beautiful place, having a really deep experience changing their life. So yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, that's, that's how you feel about it. I guess for me, I do have a little bit of the vibe of like, I like that. I like, I like Shunru Suzuki, that Zen master's vibe. Mm. It's a mysterious universe. Take a step into it. Try this. Yeah. But that probably would appeal to more to my personality too, if I'm honest, 
you know, like if someone JKZ came up and said, did these things, I'd be like, oh, that's okay. I wouldn't have been into that as much. So I mean, it is a different strokes for different folks things. If, if I want to be honest about it, even if I'm going to like, I'm not trying to throw shade on it. I'm just trying to say like, yeah, there's, there, there is that one little thing that it's taken it and packaged it in this little biological materialistic kind of a way. Sure, I understand. But on the other hand, that might be like exactly some people's jam. And why should you have to have a different worldview to start meditating? That's bullshit too. Don't right? yuck you anybody. Right. Yeah, don't yuck anybody. Don't yuck anybody's yum, brother. It's <laughs> so true. Why should one do that? That's just that's, being a hater. That's it, man. Right? Put the hater aid down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. So, okay, that's the that's the positive side. I can be honest about this shit too and just say, yeah, you know, if it works for you, it works for you. And that's really good. That's you it. Know? So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, I, I almost, I, I almost like, I, I, I 93% believe myself when I say that. I've worked myself to a 93% believable rate. That's an A, man. That's good enough. <laughs> That's good. That'll pass me through, right? Yeah, yeah, you'll be fine with that. Yeah, I might even make like, uh, the school isn't too good. I might even make the dean's list. Hey, man, you know, to. and then you put a bumper, put a, uh, a sticker on your bumper. <laughs> you know. There you go. And right? that's it. All right, yeah. sweet. Well, Eric, as always. Thank you much Thank for you, doing this. Yeah, very, very much appreciate all of our conversations and that we could we can record them and that people find them to be useful. And we love to get feedback from everybody. So thank you so much for sending it in. And you could send that over to us at ginandtantra at gmail.com. You could check us out on the gram, as the kids call it, at uh, Gin and Tantra. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel, uh, Gin and Tantra Podcast. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, okay, yeah. On, on if you just put Gin and and it'll pop up. Yeah, it'll it'll pop right up. Uh, if you're on, if you're listening to us on Apple, you know, go ahead and give us a review. We could, we definitely, you know, appreciate it for sure. You know, that definitely helps with uh, the the magical algorithms, which we will at some point do an episode on the algorithm for sure. That's definitely on the docket, um, possibly. And you know, I know it's worth talking about. I think, and. Um, you know, we've done little, we've done little bits on it here and there. Yeah, little bits mm-hmm. here and there, but we want to put it together in, in some sort of you know uncohesive way because no one understands. One long diatribe against yeah, it. Yeah, that's it, right? And then uh, you know, share with people because that that helps us out, and you never know who uh, our conversations might help somebody else out. So uh, they'll be thanking you, and then we'll be thanking you. So for uh, future versions of us, thank you so much. <laughs> for Eric, this is Daniel. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace. To get together, I want to get together. Put your hands together one time. I want you to get together. I want you to get together.